Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, having been sworn in as members of this jury, I thank you for your willingness to serve in this capacity during our time together. I will, in the arguments that follow, show you beyond a reasonable doubt that the cases you'll be asked to adjudicate can be seen through no other lens than that of a guilty verdict. I trust that you will keep your oaths as jurors and that your objectivity will not be swayed by emotional pleas, but by the facts of the case at hand. And so we begin. The case before you today concerns the disciples of Jesus. On a certain day, these 12 men were gathered with Jesus sharing a meal, as we heard in our reading this evening. They were in the home of the well-known man, Simon the leper, when the action in question took place. We have the eyewitness testimony of those in the room who say that a woman entered carrying an expensive jar of perfumed ointment. Breaking it open, she anointed Jesus of Nazareth. This woman displayed the true faith in the claims of Jesus knowing the history of the Jewish people and the practice of anointing kings and prophets, she anoints Jesus by pouring this most expensive oil on his head and so acknowledging him as king of the Jews, as the Messiah. She confirms the anointed status of Jesus by making that known physically. And how did these supposedly faithful disciples respond? In the sworn testimony of Jesus' follower, Mark, who learned of the event from Peter, Jesus' right-hand disciple, and an eyewitness to the event in question, the disciples were indignant. Why was this ointment wasted when it could have been sold and given to the poor, they ask? These men sat in judgment over this faithful act of this woman, tarnishing her reputation and making light of what she had done what must have been a costly purchase given to Jesus in faith. And it's not just these words of the disciples that are troubling, ladies and gentlemen. These men, these supposed disciples of Jesus, have a track record of indignant behavior that leads to defamation. The very crime these men are accused of has happened before. It is a matter of public record that these same disciples tried to prevent children from coming to Jesus that he might touch them. They sat in judgment over little children, deeming them unworthy to be in the presence of Jesus. Defamation is the act of falsely or unjustly injuring an individual's good reputation. These men believed that the woman at this dinner made such a poor decision that she ought to endure their rebuke. But then again, jurors, don't we all do that? It's often our response to disagreements with others. We're quick to write them off, even verbally rebuke them, or write messages that show our disdain. In our world today, we are all guilty of running to our respective corners of opinion and shouting at the top of our lungs, no matter what the outcome. Forget listening or evaluating honestly. Snap decisions often guide emotions. Emotions guide our thoughts and words, both spoken and written. 
who in your life, I ask you, have you written off as unworthy of your love or the love of Jesus simply because of a particular action in which they have been caught? Could another's faith possibly be expressed in a different way than your own point of view, but still be valid? We quickly realize that we are just as guilty of defamation as these disciples. We play judge, jury, and executioner over others while conveniently forgetting to look in the mirror at ourselves. Even so, the facts of this case remain the same. These disciples of Jesus defamed what was clearly an act of faith. They rebuked a woman who didn't deserve such treatment, treatment that was harmful to her reputation. The facts of the case can lead us to no other conclusion than to render, render a guilty verdict. Defamation of character has occurred. Thank you, Your Honor, nothing further. Thank you, Your Honor. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I also thank you for your time this evening. I'd like to start with just a very simple question. Have you ever been surprised? How did you react? Some people clam up. They can't say a thing. It's like they're in a fight or flight situation. They, can, they, can't, they simply can't do anything. They can't move. Others are more verbal. They let out a scream. And while it's awfully difficult to explain a scream, we can certainly understand it given the circumstances. Then there are others, there are others who simply say the very first thing that comes to mind. Good, bad, or indifferent, it's their initial reaction to whatever it was that happened. People who are friends of these folks understand that you can't hold them responsible for what just came out of their mouth. It's simply a reaction like, oh, that's what we have tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Not defamation of character. It's a court case based entirely on a startled reaction by these 12 disciples. It's just simple misunderstanding. Imagine, if you will, that you had just spent three years traveling with this teacher. A teacher who taught you some very important lessons, including not to be sucked up by materialism, to take care of those in need, to honestly share what you have with those who need other things. When Jesus sent these disciples out on a teaching mission, what did he say? Don't take a money bag, just the clothes on your back is plenty. It's true. The court record does accurately record that this woman entered Simon's house with a jar of oil. But stop right there. We already have probable cause for some concern. The record shows nothing about an invitation. She just walked in, unannounced, uninvited. That's quite a stunning move in that setting. And then she takes this flask and she breaks it open and she pours it on Jesus' head, causing a public spectacle. Not only is the room filled with the odor of this fragrance, these, these disciples are trying with Jesus to be the honored guests of Simon. What are they supposed to They're totally shocked. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, it was simply a reaction by 12 men who have been trained to be looking out, not for themselves, but for other people. And they, why couldn't we have recovered the money and used it for someone who needed it for their own health and well-being? I'm sure even you have done something 
that you regretted later. It was probably not appropriate to the situation. You'd like to take it back, but you can't. They overreacted. That's not defamation of character. That's simply surprise. Plain and simple, they were shocked. What is more, Jesus uses, offers both the women and the disciples good news. He says that what she has done for him is a beautiful thing. She has anointed him for his burial. We are just beginning our journey through these cases during Lent, but already Jesus has in mind the forgiveness that will be made available by his death and burial and resurrection. Using the ashes that will soon be on your foreheads, you are preparing for Jesus' burial too. What a beautiful thing. Don't be surprised. Take comfort in the event. Even though we have overreacted to events, Jesus always has his plan in mind, even though we can't not yet know the outcome of the events. The burial for which the woman prepares Jesus will be undergone for the disciples, for the woman herself, for you as well. You will soon hear the words, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But Jesus' burial doesn't end in dust and ashes. His burial ended with a bodily resurrection that offers eternal benefits to all who, like this anointing woman, place their faith in him. So you see, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, these men aren't guilty of defamation. They have only expressed their surprise at the woman's action. And Jesus uses that surprise to teach his disciples that they and this woman are not guilty in the same way that you are not guilty through his death and burial and resurrection. Thank you, Your Honor. Nothing further. <laughs>